0: Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Theater Shove It. I'm your host, Greg, and I'm here again this week to give you my thoughts on the latest movies playing in theaters and streaming on your TV. Also, this week, I let you know of a ton of new movies that are now available for streaming in Now Streaming, and I catch up on some Oscar nominees. I've been very busy with that. And I'll also discuss the state of the race and Oscar Outlook, and we'll see which film was selected for this week's Be Kind Rewind. It's another busy week, so let's get started. For our featured movies this week, Paul Rudd meets his match in Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania. Liam Neeson goes undercover in Marlowe, and Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher decide if it's your place or mine. First up, when Scott Lang is whisked into the quantum realm, escaping proves to be a miserable task. This is Ant-Man and the Wasp, Mania. You're an interesting man, Scott Lang. You're an Avenger. You have a daughter. But you've lost a lot of time, like me. We can help each other with that. Who are you? I'm the man who can give you the one thing you want. What's that? Time. The film opens with Janet Van Dyne, played by Oscar-nominated actress Michelle Pfeiffer. God, I love her. As she is trapped in the quantum realm... Here she meets Kang, who wants to work with her to try to escape. When she sees a vision of the future, of him destroying worlds, she deceives him. Cut to present-day San Francisco, and Scott Lang, a.k.a. Ant-Man, is living life as a celebrity, hawking his memoir and enjoying his relationship with Hope Van Dyne, a.k.a. The Wasp. The couple is played by Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly. He learns that with the help of Hope's father, Hank played by Oscar winner Michael Douglas, that his daughter Cassie, played by Catherine Newton, has been working on a device that can contact the quantum realm. Janet freaks out about this, and when she tries to shut it down, it's too late, and the portal opens and sucks them all in. When Janet's previous actions in the realm are blamed for the current uprising by Kang the Conqueror, played with evil perfection by red-hot Jonathan Majors, A battle between good and evil leads to moments of peril for Ant-Man and his crew. Can they all resolve the conflict and escape alive? When I saw the trailer for this, I predicted it would be a see-it. And I give this film a (laughs) see-it. The movie ended up being what you would expect from a Marvel movie for the most part. I enjoyed the action scenes and the script was entertaining enough. There were some moments where the special effects looked very, very bad, but I'm not sure if that was because I was watching it in 3D and maybe it was distorted, or if it was for some other reason. The middle section of the film kind of dragged a bit for me, but once the action started going again, I really enjoyed how it ended. I liked how Michelle Pfeiffer, an actress I've always enjoyed, had a lot to do in this one, And Jonathan Majors is really on fire with his career right now. And I think this is going to be a very, very big year for him, starting with this film. Overall, I think it's a solid entry in the Marvel Universe. It's not the strongest one I've ever seen, but it does the job. The Ant-Man franchise has always been kind of second fiddle in the Marvel Universe, in my opinion. And this one served its purpose in that regard. So, you know, if you like action movies and you like Marvel movies... You may want to go see this one. I didn't feel like it was a waste of my time. Next, Detective Philip Marlowe is hired to look into the disappearance of a mysterious man. This is Marlowe. I hear that you are looking for someone. We're all looking for someone. I'll pay you a thousand if you find him for me. The puzzle has many pieces. I don't know what you're going to find. I'm not afraid to take you with me. I do like this thing about not being afraid. You should be. Oscar nominated actor Liam Neeson stars as Detective Philip Marlowe, who is approached by Claire Cavendish, played by Diane Kruger. Claire is a married woman who is looking for Marlowe to help her find her missing boyfriend. Convinced she has seen him in Mexico, even though authorities insist he is the person who was found dead weeks earlier, Claire suspects he has faked his death. Claire's mother, played by two-time Oscar winner the great Jessica Lange, begins to pry into the reasons why Marlowe has been hired and tries to drive a wedge between the working relationship of her daughter and Marlowe. Adding to the mystery of The Disappearance is a sketchy nightclub owner played by Danny Houston, a corrupt bigwig played by Alan Cumming, and his chauffeur, who is more than meets the eye, played by Adawale Akinoye Each plays a part in the mystery surrounding the is-he-dead-or-is-he-alive mystery. And when I saw the trailer for this, I predicted it would be a see-it, and I give this film a see-it. This film is getting skewered by critics and audiences alike, and honestly, I'm not quite sure why. I think it might have to do with the fact that it really is an homage to the detective films of the 40s and 50s, so maybe it moves at too leisurely of a pace for modern audiences to appreciate. But I enjoyed it. Was it slow at times? Yes, of course. But I found that it really moved right along. Um, It had decent pacing, and it wasn't too long. And I do like the way the mystery was resolved. The performances were all great. Jessica Lang, Liam Neeson are reliably good, and Diane Kruger, I find, is an underrated actress, and she's very good here. And the resemblance between her and Jessica Lang is uncanny. Whoever decided to cast them as mother and daughter deserves an award. They really do look very, very similar. But if you're into those old detective movies during Hollywood's golden age, you may enjoy this. So, I recommend it for people who like movies like that. If you like things to be a little more fast-paced, then maybe you should just avoid this one. Finally, when a former hookup turns into a friendship, things get complicated. This is Netflix's Your Place or Mine. Debbie, you need to take a break. I just need to be practical, which is what you have to be when you're a single mom. Right, right, tragic. I got an idea. I'm coming to L.A. for a week. I'm going to look after Jack, and you can stay here. I don't know. You need help. Let me help. Taking care of Jack is a lot of work. I think I got this. I hope that you get what you want out of this trip. Find yourself a hottie. Maybe get waxed. Waxed? Oh, waxed. Waxed. Oh, well, that's just not going to happen. Starring Academy Award winner Reese Witherspoon as Debbie and Ashton Kutcher as Peter... The film follows two people who once hooked up decades before, yet remained friends over the course of 20 years. Living across the country from each other, they find a way to talk every day. When a complicated situation forces them to switch homes for a week, Debbie leaves Peter in California with her son Jack, played by Jimmy Kimmel's nephew, Wesley Kimmel, while she attends some work training classes in New York City. While in New York City, Debbie meets a book editor played by Jesse Williams, and begins flirting with him, while Peter becomes comfortable in California with a more settled life than he was previously used to. Will these two realize they actually belong together? I give this film a... (laughs) Shove it. Witherspoon and Kutcher are generally very good at romantic comedies, but the script for this does them no favors at all. It is formulaic and predictable from the start. And keeping the two characters apart for most of the film was an odd choice. Considering their characters are typically opposites, it's hard to see any chemistry between the two other than split-screen phone conversations. And honestly, with a romantic comedy, that just doesn't cut it. We want to see them together. We want to see how they have chemistry with each other. And that's just not happening over the phone. Not once did I doubt how this film would end, although it did not earn its ending at all. Go ahead and skip this one. That's it for this week's featured films. To recap, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is in theaters now and is a see-it. Marlowe is in theaters now and is a see-it. And Your Place or Mine is on Netflix now and is a shove-it. If one of them is my pick of the week, I would say it would be Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Now, onto my brief take of some additional movies I've watched in my segment, Quick Picks. The horror film, She Came From the Woods, is in theaters now and is a spoof of 80s horror films. When I saw the trailer for this, I predicted it would be a shove-it, and I ended up giving this one a mild see-it. It It works more than it doesn't, and has some genuinely scary moments, which I always appreciate. On the flip side of that, the horror film Consecration is in theaters now, and involves a woman visiting a monastery, searching for answers after her brother dies. It is slow, it is dull, and it is not scary at all. And it's also a shove-it. And the gay romantic drama of an age is in theaters now, and while it takes a while to get going, it ends up being a mild see-it. Now let's move on to discuss where you can find some of the films I've enjoyed within the last year that are now available for home viewing. This is now streaming. The true story Gigi and Nate is now available on Hulu. It's a middle-ground, harmless family drama starring Oscar winner Marsha Gay Harden, and it's about a boy who leans on a therapy monkey for comfort after becoming paralyzed. To hear my full review, listen to episode 29. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania star Jonathan Majors and Top Gun Maverick star Glenn Powell lead the historical naval film Devotion, It is a film I enjoyed and is streaming on Paramount+. Plus. To hear my full review, listen to episode 44. John Boyega gives an intense performance as a bank robber in Breaking, and that is now streaming on Showtime. To hear my full review, listen to episode 28. Oscar winner Olivia Colman stars as a lonely, mentally ill woman in Empire of Light, a film I enjoyed more than I thought I would. It is now streaming on HBO Max, and to hear my full review of that one, listen to episode 48. The blockbuster hit Black Panther Wakanda Forever is now streaming on Disney+, and features the Oscar-nominated performance of Angela Bassett. To hear the full review of that, you can check out episode 42. And you can also go back 10 episodes to episode 32, where you'll hear my take on The Woman King, which stars Viola Davis in a role that showcases how badass she can be. That movie is now streaming on Netflix. Let's move on to Oscar Outlook. I caught up on a few Oscar-nominated films I hadn't yet seen over the weekend. After Son is nominated for Best Actor for Paul Mescal, I thought the film was just okay, and I guess I can see why Mescal was nominated. Although I didn't passionately adore the performance like some others I have read did, it's a film about a man suffering from depression and how it impacts his relationship with his daughter. Now, I thought Frankie Corio, who played his young daughter Sophie, was the gem of the film. It is available for rent, and I'd say it's a see-it. The Belgian drama Close was phenomenal. It is nominated for Best International Feature and tells the story of two young teenagers who have a close, affectionate bond to each other and how that bond is impacted once they begin high school. This is a gut-wrenching film that keeps your attention throughout. It is currently playing in select theaters and is a see-it. Also nominated for Best International Feature is Amazon Prime's Argentina 1985, a gripping story about the trial of Argentina's military dictatorship. It's a well-made courtroom drama that showcases the impact of the trial on the lives of those involved. It's very good and worth the watch and is a see-it, and it's streaming again on Amazon Prime. I also watched the 10 live-action and animated shorts nominees. I'll talk more about them on my upcoming Oscars predictions extravaganza, But unlike last year's animated shorts nominees, this year there wasn't a stinker in the bunch. So I was grateful for that. When I started the weekend, I had 24 movies and shorts left to watch, and now I'm down to 11. I'll continue working on those in the next two weeks in order to give you a fully informed predictions episode. At the time of this recording, I am processing the winners from this weekend's BAFTA Awards that just ended a few hours ago as well as this weekend's Directors Guild Awards. Let's start with the Directors Guild. Um, The the Daniels both beat out um, Steven Spielberg for the Directors Guild Award this year for their work in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Um, The Directors Guild is usually a very, very good predictor of who will win the Oscars, so I do think this vaults them into the frontrunner status. Um, it really is a shame about The Fablemans. What a personal, beautiful film. And it just kind of never gained any traction with its momentum and is kind of running out of steam and going to putter across the finish line. Um, as far as the BAFTA awards go, uh, there were some shockers there. Uh, first up, the Supporting Actress Award went to Carrie Condon in Banshees of Sharon, and the Supporting Actor went to Barry Keoghan in The Banshees of Inisherin. Neither one of those um, awards surprised me because it's almost like a home field advantage for the two of them, and I'm not entirely sure if that shakes up either of those races for the Oscar, uh, but I'll talk more about that in a little bit. Uh, The best actress was Kate Blanchett for TAR, and um, the best actor was a surprise for me. It was Austin Butler in Elvis. I thought if anywhere Colin Farrell could win, it would be here. And the best director was um, Edward Berger for um, All Quiet on the Western Front. And he um, isn't nominated for an Oscar, so that's not going to make a difference when it comes to predictions. But the best film was his film All Quiet on the Western Front, which would make it the second Foreign language film to win the Oscar if it can go all the way. I'm not quite ready to lock that in, but um, it was a surprise because I really was expecting the Banshees of Inisharan to to clean up at the BAFTAs, and when that didn't happen, that kind of signifies where that film's momentum is currently. So, as a result of the latest string of awards, there is a bit of a shakeup in where the race stands. Um, so I think the top races have the following people in the lead for best picture honestly I have no idea so I'm just going to stick with my gut and right now that says everything everywhere all at once for best director I think the Daniels will edge out Spielberg now that the DGA is behind us Uh, the best actor the BAFTA was huge for Austin Butler and I think he's beginning to run away with it unless SAG changes things Sadly, I think my favorite, Colin Farrell, is out. If he couldn't win the BAFTA, then there's really no chance for the Oscar. Cape Blanchett winning the BAFTA, I think that locks her in. Um, that solidifies her lead. Um, supporting actor, I do still think that Kihi Kwan remains in the lead for Everything Everywhere all at once. I don't think Barry Keoghan's win at BAFTA changes much. Again, if SAG says something different next weekend, I may change my mind. Uh, The same goes for Angela Bassett, although I think her frontrunner status is the shakiest of all of the frontrunners. If Carrie Condon can follow up her BAFTA win at SAG, then she's going to become the new frontrunner. Next weekend sees the final major precursor awards with Producers Guild Awards and the Screen Actors Guild Awards, after which I'll be able to begin locking up my predictions and getting ready for my big Oscar prediction episode. (laughs) Now it's time for my segment where I look at films from the past. This is Be Kind, Rewind. Continuing my series where I take the 52-week movie challenge, this week's topic was a stop-motion film. I put up the candidates on Instagram, and you voted, and the winner is director Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs. The Japanese archipelago, 20 years in the future. Canine saturation has reached epidemic proportions. An outbreak of dog flu rips through the city of Megasaki. Mayor Kobayashi issues emergency orders, calling for a hasty quarantine. Trash Island becomes an exiled colony. The Isle of Dogs. Set in a dystopian society in Japan in the year 2038, Isle of Dogs finds all the furry cuties banished by the authoritarian mayor to Trash Island after a flu virus breaks out among the canine population. Leading the exile is Spots, voiced by Liev Schreiber. Spots served as the bodyguard of the mayor's nephew, Atari. Upset about the banishment, Atari steals a plane and crash lands on Trash Island, He is rescued by a pack of dogs led by Chief, voiced by Academy Award nominee Brian Cranston. The pack agrees to help Atari find Spot, although Chief is adamant of not joining them due to his lack of ability to be around humans. The film follows Atari as he overcomes a series of dangerous challenges and roadblocks. Additional voices were provided by Academy Award nominees Bill Murray, Scarlett Johansson, Greta Gerwig, Edward Norton, and Ken Watanabe. Released on March 23, 2018, the film made $64 million at the worldwide box office and was a success with critics earning a 90% fresh score on Rotten Tomatoes. Yet, it did face some criticism over some perceived Japanese stereotyping. In March of the following year, Isle of Dogs competed in two categories at the 91st Academy Awards, losing Best Animated Feature to the Phenomenal Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Best Score where it lost to Black Panther. Isle of Dogs can be streamed now on Disney+. Plus. Next week's Be Kind Rewind topic is a film set during a historic war. The choices that will be up for a vote are Saving Private Ryan, The Pianist, Zero Dark Thirty, and The Last of the Mohicans. The post with the most likes will... Be the one I choose, so come to my Instagram at It, it, and vote for which of the choices I should focus on. So, that's it for this episode of See It or Shove It. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. I'm grateful for your support. Support your local theaters by going to see some of the movies I reviewed this month, and while you're at it, share my podcast with your movie and TV-loving friends and family. Don't forget, you can drop me a line at theatershoveit at gmail.com and let me know if you have any ideas or suggestions. Follow me on Instagram at theatershoveit and rate me wherever you get your podcasts. Join me again next week when I bring you the latest movies released in theaters and on streaming, including what looks to be an insane film, Cocaine Bear. I'm bracing myself for that one. Anyway, come back and hear what I think about that, as well as others. All right, I'll catch you next week, everyone. Have a great week. This episode of Theater Shove It was recorded in Orlando, Florida, and is produced by Gregory G. Productions. Music by Mysterio Music. All rights reserved.